job, such an excellent job. Hey, I want to point over, because some of you over here can't see, Isaac's over here painting in the, the wonderful, cool shade over here. So it's always fun to see what God inspires him to do during the messages here. And, uh, well, let's just get rolling. Um, I'd say uh, one way to describe this week is that it's been um, uh, interesting, right? Yeah. Interesting. For some reason, on about, oh, I don't know, Wednesday, I, I don't know about you, but I stopped getting the gazillion robocalls to my cell phone, right? Yes. All those unsolicited text messages just suddenly stopped coming. Um, I, I noticed when I watched the uh, football game Thursday night, any, uh, I watched the Packer games because I hope they lose, but I know we have some Packer fans here. Any Packer fans here, you watch the game Thursday night? Of course, I still try to love you. It's, it's, I'm, I'm growing. But, but it was amazing to watch a football game and not be inundated with, you know, negative ads. I was like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I can actually watch the commercials instead of trying to brace myself and try not to get irritated. Like, did you know that there are actually, they still make humorous, uh, like, insurance company commercials. Do you know that? you know that? Yeah. I haven't seen them for a while, but they were still there. It was weird. Maybe the biggest shocker that I realized was after not checking my mailbox for a couple of days, I could actually walk half a block down to my mailbox and I didn't need to have a backpack with me to stuff all the junk mail and all the ads in there. It was amazing. It was really phenomenal. So I don't know about you guys, but um, yeah, it's been quite a week, quite a week. And we've been in a series of messages that we're actually going to wrap up, supposedly, next week. But we've been calling it the upside down message of Jesus. We've been looking at what's called the Beatitudes out of Matthew chapter 5 a place where Jesus teaches through a set of sayings about how life works if you're a follower of him. This is how life works in what we call what he declared to be the kingdom of God. See, there's the kingdom of this world, which we all just naturally live in, and there's the kingdom of God, which is what Jesus came to bring, a whole different story, a whole different reality, a whole different way to align our lives. And we are invited to leave behind our smaller stories our own individual kingdoms and even our own kingdoms of this world kingdoms and give allegiance to the kingdom of God. And these set of sayings that we call the Beatitudes, we've been looking through each one, sometimes taking a week, sometimes taking a few weeks. Um, and a couple of weeks ago, Brandon Hodge preached an excellent, excellent message on blessed are the peacemakers. It's Matthew 5, um, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers... For they will be called the children of God. That's one of the audacious things that Jesus says. Because if you think about the world they lived in, there was so much turmoil, there was so much strife, there was so much anger, and, and, the, and the Jewish people were being oppressed and ruled over by godless Romans uh, and pagans, and they were just frustrated, and they wanted to overthrow it. They wanted war. And Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. And so I want to pick up a couple of those peacemaker threads this morning from that theme. And, and, and as your pastor, I want to take this moment, and, and I want to just kind of pause. I want to talk a little bit about the aftermath of the election. How many of you are excited for that? 
Yeah. How many of you were a little bit nervous about that? Well, does that make you tense when you hear me say that? Yeah, okay. I, I understand that. I'm, I'm, I'm probably some of our staff and elders are probably like getting tense. They're hoping I don't screw this up and, and make their lives miserable because people are going to be talking to them and fielding complaints. But I promise everybody. I promise. Take a deep breath. I'm going to do my breath. My breath. I'm going to do my best. That too. I'll do my best, okay? Now, the polls would like us to believe, and probably a pretty good case to make for saying that 50% that of our people are excited, and 50% of our people would be upset. That's what the polls would say. I kind of think that the reality is that maybe, you know, 25% of our people are excited, 25% of our people are sad, uh, maybe 25% are afraid of what's next, and 25% are glad that it's all over, right? Well, I don't know, maybe 90% are glad it's all over, right? Anybody glad that at least, okay, 25%, all right, there we are. All right, so, listen, I have a bunch of friends who are pastors. We talk all the time about how to address things that are going on in our culture. And when it comes to the election, some of my pastor friends are like, dude, we are not gonna talk about the election. It's too crazy, it's too divisive at my church, and I don't want anybody mad at me, so that's what they asked for. And I guess that's one way to approach it, I suppose. And Sometimes the truth is that those guys with that perspective, they're a lot smarter than me, so there's that. Um, I also have pastor friends that are kind of the opposite end of it. They, they get really fired up about talking about this stuff in front of their church, and I kind of wonder if they just um, enjoy the conflict a little bit. They kind of, you know, or maybe their church already thinks the same thing that they do. And so, um, I don't know, maybe I'd call some of my pastor friends passive and others maybe aggressive. Uh, we're trying to land somewhere in the middle here and be balanced, because if you've been around Hope at all the past few years, you know that I try to operate with wisdom. Like I don't, this may be a shock, but I don't just kind of say everything, everything I think doesn't just come out of my mouth most of the time, right? <laughs> most of the time. But, um, like I don't like to avoid the hard stuff either. See, the Bible doesn't avoid the hard stuff. And if you're reading the Bible, any of us that are reading the Bible, um, at some point, it's going to mess with your kingdom, right? It's going to mess with your and my preferred way or my kind of my natural way of approaching life. See, Jesus is constantly messing with our thoughts and assumptions about how life works. And when that happens, when the message of Jesus messes with me and I go, whoa, huh, I better think about that. Right? Then the question becomes, when, when Jesus' way messes with the way I've been doing things, here's the question that I have to ask. Is Jesus Lord of my life, or am I Lord of my life? Who, who sits on the throne of your life, Doug? Is it Jesus or you? So I never want to pick needless fights, but I don't want to be passive either, because I think that passivity is one of the great enemies of a healthy, vibrant church, and we want to be a healthy, vibrant church family. Amen? Amen. Now, one of the things that I do think is healthy about us is that we are a church that is made up of people from both sides of the political spectrum. Um, we have Republicans, and we have Democrats, and we have Independents. There might even be somebody here who voted for Kanye, right? Maybe, maybe. Does anybody know, just a little side note, anybody know what the name of the party that Kanye West ran for president under, the name of the party? The birthday party. 
Oh. I am not kidding. I'm not making this up. The birthday party. Wow. Apparently he got to name it himself. Um, but, but we, back to where I was saying, we, we have Democrats, we have Republicans, we have independents here in the Hope Covenant Church family. And part of what I think is so great about that is that it reminds us that no matter what our political opinions are as individuals, there is a greater kingdom that unites us. Rather than being divided as a church or all having to insist that we all have the same positions and opinions, what we are doing is we look to Jesus first. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is not a Democrat. Jesus is not a Republican. Jesus is the King of Kings. He's the Lord of Lords. So Jesus is Lord over all. I'll try that over here. Jesus is Lord over all. Amen. Amen? Just checking. Now, of course, listen, followers, serious followers of Jesus, they are guided by, they make decisions about who they support or what platforms they would tend to side with based on many things. And hopefully, followers of Jesus, what they believe about the Bible deeply impacts who and what they decide to support. But I got to tell you, here's the funny thing about that. Every single one of us, especially with any sort of biblical savvy, is capable of finding biblical reasons to support whatever candidate we want to support. And we are also able to find biblical reasons to be against the other candidate or against the other party. And we really like to think, especially when we have an opinion on this, that, that it's very cut and dried and that certainly Jesus would vote for our candidates. Right? We, we even can back it up from scripture. We are pretty sure, right? The problem is, so can the other side of the political aisle. And I think it's just important for us as a diverse family of different points of views to admit this. There are Christians on both sides. Neither one has the corner on our faith. And I get really apprehensive when pastors or, or Christian leaders with a platform make these huge declarations that go beyond their personal opinions and begin to paint Christians who don't see things the same way as them um, and, and sometimes call them names, saying that they are idiots or unrighteous or they are ungodly, they're foolish. And, and listen, I've mostly stayed off social media, but, but I've seen plenty, even in the little bit of time that I do spend online, I see Christians attacking other Christians. Um, Christians who are stubbornly insisting that their opinion is the right and righteous one. And do you know what I think Jesus thinks about this kind of behavior between Christians, I, I think that it breaks his heart. I think it breaks the heart of Jesus to see what's often happening. Listen, it's absolutely fine to disagree and have a respectful debate. Sidebar, I would discourage you from trying to have a debate over email or text or social media. It just doesn't go well. But, 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 back to the main part of this, it's fine to debate, it's fine to have differences. But, but whatever happened to the notion of loving one another, whether we agree or not? Amen. And by the way, while I wish I could have a voice to speak to America, I don't, because I'm not talking to everybody, I'm talking to Christians right now. I, I wish that we could hope that the rest of our nation would do that and learn to have a healthy disagreement in respectful ways. 
but that might be a pipe dream these days. What I want to focus in on is followers of Jesus on us, Christians learning to love one another and to be respectful and honoring towards each other and towards those outside of the church, especially when we don't agree. That's when it gets hard. I mean, Jesus wouldn't have had to talk about all these ways of making sure that we love one another if we were doing it really well already, right? If it was just a piece of cake, he wouldn't have talked about it so much. You wouldn't see it up you know, in the epistles. You wouldn't see this stuff in scripture so many times. But he knew it would be a challenge, so he tells us again and again to love one another because he knows that we're not always going to agree. And friends, if we, if we cannot learn to treat each other that way inside of the faith, inside of church, then there is no one that can model it to the rest of the world in a Christ-like way. Like, if we can't do this... We can't work this out. Nobody can model it to the rest of the world in a Christ-like way. And by the way, let me put myself at the top of this list of, of um, idiots that has a hard time pulling off respectful dialogue with Christians that I disagree with, okay? Let's just be straight up here. I am guilty. I can get uptight about politics. Even more so, I can get really upset about other issues that are important to me that I get frustrated about like with other Christians when it comes to certain parts of theology and when somebody doesn't see it my way, I can get really, really intense. And I'm not proud of that at all. I'm asking God to transform and shape me into a more gracious person, to, to make me into a peacemaker. And I'm in process on this. So y'all can pray for me, okay? Yeah. Deal? Yeah. Deal? Yeah. Thank you. Because... I want to be under that, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peace fakers, not the peacekeepers. Blessed are the peacemakers. And I think it was Brandon uh, who pointed out a couple weeks ago that the very word peacemaker implies that peace is not passive. It doesn't come about just because we sit there passively and hope for it. Like, it doesn't just happen. You have to... According to the word, right, you have to make peace. It takes some action. You and I have to intentionally engage. And so thinking about that in a very practical sense, peacemakers step between conflicting views or opposing camps, and we make peace. That means we de-escalate. We look for a way to bring peace. The downside to that is that sometimes you step in the middle of that and now you've got both sides attacking you, right? So there's a risk. You might be trying to make peace, but when they both go after you, right? But it's a risk that we take and Jesus still calls us to be peacemakers even though he knows we're going to face that stuff. Because here's what happens. When we do that, sometimes, sometimes, something miraculous can happen. Sometimes when you and I boldly, humbly, we say that again, humbly, lovingly step between the two parties, sometimes it's almost like a miracle. Like something gets produced that was not even possible or that we didn't think was possible. Like the two sides though that suddenly just start agreeing, um, they don't even always like each other, but when we are able to make peace and bring peace, then the rhetoric calms down and peace shows up. Like literally the atmosphere changes, the environment can shift. It goes from an environment of hostility or hatred to one of peace. 
And if somebody was standing there watching this happen, they might go, wow, what just happened? Where did that come from? Where did that peace come from? Oh, oh, you, you brought it with you, didn't you? See, peacemakers, peacemakers. And according to Jesus, when other people see his followers doing that, making peace, they will call us children of God. They might even begin to think, wow, that person there just helped make peace in a tough situation. There is something different about them. I'm like, that's just not normal in our world. I wonder if they belong to God. I wonder if they're one of those children of God. Now, by the way, um, you know what, if you're not a Christian, you get a pass on this one, okay? If you're not a Christian, you don't even have to do this. Um, I want the non-Christians who attend our church to know we don't expect you to act like Christians. Good grief. Even most Christians, you know, don't even act like Christians, okay? Um, but the scripture teaches this. And Christians, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you've got to do this, Right? If you're not a Christian, you know, here's the, you go ahead and try it, right? Just, just try it. You don't have to. We, Christians, we have to, right? Well, we're Christians, right? We're followers of Jesus. But if you're not a Christian, um, maybe you could even try it and just see what happens. But again, you don't have to. You're under no moral obligation. Uh, I'm not challenging you. The scripture wasn't written to tell you what to do. These scriptures were written towards Christians. See, the New Testament especially is written to instruct followers of Jesus how to live and walk in the path of life. So, so many times, the church and Christians, we get this wrong and we think the whole rest of the world needs to abide by our biblical standards. Well, it'd be nice if people did, but to impose and force that just doesn't make sense because these are things that followers of Jesus are called to do. And so those of you who do follow Jesus, how will you be a peacemaker? How will you be a peacemaker? Will you intentionally even just take a deep breath in this season of tension? Will you intentionally examine your hearts, your, your actions, your media consumption, your text messages, your social media posts? Will you align all of those things so that they fall in line with making peace? Because blessed are the peacemakers. I think this is especially important right now because... Um, there is, the best picture I can get, it's like there's this vortex of hatred swirling around our nation and probably our world right now. Actually, about a year plus ago, a pastor that I really respect and, and his team that prays with him, um, the people that I trust, they kept hearing in times of prayer that the enemy had assigned and released a spirit of hatred here on the earth. Now, that's going to sound weird to some of you. I don't have time to get into it and explain it. Um, uh, I'm not going to explain how that part of the supernatural world works. So if you disagree, that's fine. Just let it go. Don't get it hung up on it. Um, but to me, this idea of kind of this vortex of hatred really is easy to see right now. It sure looks like hatred has been sort of unleashed on our world, doesn't it? Yeah. And the temptation for me and maybe for you, for every one of us, is that we look at the candidate or the political party that we don't like and we say, yep, that side is full of hatred and evil. But friends... Let's not do that. Let's be wise about the hatred because it is bigger than any one candidate, any political party. It is bigger than even one nation. Ephesians 4.12 tells us this. For our struggle is not against 
flesh and blood, it's not against people, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. See, according to this passage of scripture, there's another realm, a supernatural spiritual realm that is at work. And so our enemy might look like it's other people, and other people certainly might need to be held accountable for doing evil, but the enemy, friends, is not other people. It's not. Our battle is ultimately not with flesh and blood human beings. It's a battle against the spiritual forces of evil. And let me tell you how this works. Evil wants to suck us in to the hatred, to the disrespect, to the lying, to the conspiracies, to the deception, to the accusation, into all the polarized rhetoric. And friends, all of those things, all of those things key into hatred. And so the question for us right here would be this. For each one of us to stop and wonder, am I partnering with fear and hatred, or am I partnering with love and peace? My actions, my attitudes, the things I say, am I partnering with fear and hatred? Because it's out there. And it's trying to suck us in. All we have to do is give it a little foothold and bang, pretty soon it becomes a stronghold. The enemy sets up camp. And right now then we just operate in the kind of hatred that we are surprised if we were to take a step back and look. Am I partnering with fear and hatred or am I partnering with love and peace? And again, by the way, if you've been around here at all, you know that all this stuff is, when I bring this stuff to the teaching, um, I'm talking to myself as well. So you just get in on it, okay? Uh, I'm not doing perfect at this right now either. But this morning, I sense God asking me to look at my current approach, my current actions, and to ask myself the question, am I aligning with the ways of a peacemaker? Or am I getting sucked in, in one to one extent or another, sucked into the vortex of hate that is swirling around our country? Friends, Christians especially here, Jesus wants to shine through you to bring light and peace to your little corner of the planet. You, you get to be, you get to be his representative in our city, in your neighborhood, in your workplace. So will you choose intentionally and actively to resist hatred? Will you choose intentionally and actively to make peace, to be a peacemaker. Now listen, I'm not saying that you can't have an opinion or you can't express your opinion, but can you and I lay down our need to be right and learn to maybe listen to others? Can we maybe do that? See, as a pastor, I get to be around a lot of different people in our church and in other settings, and I've been seeing this fascinating scenario play out for a number of months, but especially this week, I hear folks from both sides of the political aisle and many people, when it comes to the election, there's kind of this doomsday scenario for whoever wins if it's the other guy. Like I've heard people on both sides say, well, if that guy wins the election, then this and this and this and that and it's the end of the world, right? 
And that's super interesting because both sides are saying that about the other side, because if the other side wins, then it's the end of the world. Our country goes into the tank. Our economy is over. And it's just amazing how both sides embrace this fairly doomsday scenario that most certainly will happen if the other guy wins. And sometimes I think, wow, that'd be really fun. Like, hey, y'all from these two camps here, you guys just need to talk to each other, right? Or maybe not, because I don't want anybody dead, but you know, just be fascinating. But seriously, I, I wonder, what would happen if people would learn to respectfully talk to one another, to listen to one another, to simply try to understand the other point of view rather than simply and only advancing the point of view that they hold? I know this is ridiculous. I know. But I've got the mic today, so there you go, all right? <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 19 says it this way. He says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. I think I'm 0 for 3. Anybody else? My wife Heidi is so good at this. Like Heidi has opinions. She will share them, but, but she models what it looks like to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Right? The whole quick to listen piece informs us like, hey, that's the first thing he says. Like, lead with listening. You're having conflict or trying to relate or understand someone? Lead with listening. Slow to speak. It's like, hey, listen, you can talk. You know, don't just jump in and, you know, start flapping your lips. Like, just, just be slow to speak. And the third one, slow to anger, points and reminds me that when, when I get triggered by something that sounds ridiculous or insulting or whatever, don't just start swinging and, and fighting, right? Don't, just, don't, don't get angry and just going at it right away, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. <laughs> Has anybody seen any of our political candidates act that way and behave that way at all this election season? Anyone? No. How about somebody else you've seen when they get in an intense debate? Have you seen them practice that one? Anybody seen? A few people here and there. It's, it's, it's sort of rare. How about you? Have you been doing that? Have you been guided by that wisdom? And how about me? I have to acknowledge that oftentimes, no, I am not. See, peacemakers are quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. By the way, I'm really glad, aren't you glad that it doesn't say that you never get angry, right? Yeah. Nope, okay, there's some room there, right? Slow to get angry, right? okay, you can be angry, just slow to get angry. Don't let the devil get a foothold, but slow to get angry. Like what if we learn to listen, right? Really listen. I wonder how that might start to bring the temperature of the boiling anger and hatred that has taken over our nation would it start to just lower the temperature and when i say listening i don't mean like it looks like in a lot of our marriages okay i mean we don't do this but i hear some people you know when your spouse is making an angry upset point and you sit there nodding like you're listening but what you're really doing in the back of your head is you're thinking of what you're going to say next i mean i i might you know okay somebody some of you might do that but not a lot of laughter, not a lot of spouses elbowing each other. Was that a sore spot right there? Heidi would be elbowing me right there, but that's why I'm up here and she's sitting there. That's not kind of listening. I mean, actually, we really, really listen. 
My mentor, Dallas Demet, who he and Nancy um, from time to time are, are a part of Hope Covenant, Dallas says it this way. He says, lead with your ears. Lead with your ears. And friends, if we do that, we might begin to look like the peacemakers that God designed us to be. See, God's heart is that peace would rule and reign on earth. It's a, it's a taste of his kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. What we pray in the Lord's prayer, God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. He invites you and I to be partners of his in bringing peace. Because blessed are the peacemakers. Peace makers making peace. On election day, this last Tuesday, I know, it seems a while ago, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we let you know for a few weeks that uh, the handful of us from Hope, we're going to be going to a polling place for a few hours. Um, and, and so us, a small, there were two different places. Stacy and Bruce covered one spot and uh, another small group of us went over to the community college here in Chandler, Gilbert area. And when we got there, we heard, I heard from somebody else that it had been tense, actually. It had gotten kind of tense before we arrived between the opposing viewpoints. And there were people out there with their booths and there were poll watchers and it got a little tense. But um, it was really kind of cool because God, I believe God used us to be a peaceful presence. And there were only six adults and Two little ones, which was super cute, right? Um, Bruce and Stacy did this at another location as well. We, we, um, we had some signs. Uh, we had a lot more signs on this, but I, um, I forgot them at home, but here's a few of them, okay? There's, uh, these are pretty good, right? Here's uh, be kind to one another, right? We had a canopy like this up and, and it was stuck on there. And, and just a reminder to folks, you are a gift. Um, your voice matters. We had a bunch of other ones up there. Uh, my favorite one right here uh, will work for donuts. Yeah, I didn't put that one up. Uh, go Vikings. They wouldn't let me put that one up. I don't know what the deal is. Uh, we were trying to be peacemakers after all. And then uh, Brandon made this one. These free water signs were on our coolers and we were handing them out. But blessed are the peacemakers. It's the quote by who? Jesus. Jesus. This was just powerful to even have that truth stuck in our ice bucket full of water bottles was such a reminder and a declaration of who we were, why we were there, why we were there for. And it was kind of a, it was kind of cool, man. It was pretty amazing because we just wanted to show we're not with either political party. We wanted to bless people in a practical way like we think Jesus would do if he were there. So we just gave out free cold bottles of water. There was free water, no strings attached. Uh, many people were kind of skeptical at first when they walk up they're like really free and uh we'd say yeah no strings attached free nonpartisan water right <laughs> people kind of chuckle and they were really grateful that was interesting um because we didn't have a big agenda we didn't have a big plan we weren't against anyone i mean every one of us in the group there had our own political points of view for sure but we set all those aside to be peace makers and the coolest thing I think that happened with, with one of the folks um, was one of the poll watchers from the Democratic side. He was representing the Democratic Party as a poll watcher. Um, he's a little older than I am. And when we first got there, that group kind of quizzed us. They all kind of quizzed us because they wanted to see what side we were on. 
and I think maybe especially um, some of the left wing or the Democratic folks um, were probably, because statistically it, it's been shown that, that they'd be a little skeptical that a group from an evangelical church, especially of white people, mostly white people, um, that, that we could be actually, really, actually nonpartisan. Well, after a couple hours of us doing this, and chatting with him and some of the other people when it slowed down, um, this guy, the poll watcher guy, was getting ready to leave and go to another location, and he walked up to me, and it was pretty powerful. He said something like, dude, I gotta be honest with you. I am 100% atheist. Most of the Christians that I have met are arrogant and pushy and obnoxious, and I effing hate religion. Like he just he was spitting them out. He was he was just giving it straight. But then he said this. But I've been watching you guys, trying to figure this thing out, trying to figure you guys out. And I got to tell you, this is blowing my mind. You guys have given me a lot to think about, and I just want to say thank you. You guys are the real deal. Thank you for doing what you believe Christians are supposed to be doing. Keep it up, man. You guys keep it up. And he fist bumped me like, you know, three times. He was so excited. Yeah, yeah, it's just amazing to see. See, this is God at work through just our simple willingness to show up. And I think his name was Mike. And, and listen, you guys, I have no idea what happens next in Mike's story. Only God, only God knows. But even if nobody else that we encountered that day thinks twice about our presence there at the polls, it was worth it. It was worth it. Because if nothing else, and I do believe God did other things, but we know that God used our presence of peacemaking to plant a seed in the heart of a proclaimed, self-proclaimed atheist. And it just reminded me of the parable of the mustard seed, where Jesus tells a story about this little seed gets planted in the ground, but then from that really super tiny seed, God grows this amazing bush that looks like a tree. God is saying it's just a matter of time. See, you and I may never fully know the results of our peacemaking, our efforts to cultivate environments of peace. We never, we might never get to see the, the, the fruit of our labor. We just get to plant the seeds. That's our job as Christians. We just get to plant the seeds. That's our job. We leave the growth to God. That's his job. We may never know. We may never know. But I'll tell you what Jesus says. He says the seed is in the soil and the outcome is inevitable. It's just a matter of time because that's how it works in the kingdom of God, in his way, in his economy. So, in a moment here, actually as the worship team comes, I want to close with a question. For you and for me, where is God calling you to be a peacemaker this week? Where is he calling you to intentionally and actively bring and create peace, to make peace? And I don't want to leave it super nebulous, so let me give you a couple practical things. Many of us have, have, have relational conflict that has happened. We've been alienated from someone in our life because of the elections. You have a strained or a broken relationship. I'm telling you what, I'm a grace guy, but let me, let me just say it straight here. If you are a follower of Jesus, God's not going to let you off the hook on this one. You need to go and make peace. 
And in fact, I'm going to pray that God pesters each one of us until we do it. Now, this doesn't mean that we have to agree with the other person. It doesn't mean we have to explain ourselves and be better understood. We need to make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Child of God, follower of Jesus, that's you. That's you. That's the first one. Secondly, it's a little trickier. What does this mean, the peacemakers thing, making peace? What's that mean for those who supported one candidate or the other? Right? Supporters, those of you who supported Biden and your guy won, what would it look like to make peace? I got some ideas. Maybe, you know, don't gloat. Um, be kind. Realize that about half of Arizona is um, angry and upset. So bring, bring peace. Or for those of you that supported Trump and your guy lost, um, got a couple ideas of what making peace might look like. It might look like just take a deep breath. And don't be a sore loser. Maybe try to understand the other point of view because half of Arizona is pretty excited about the change. Maybe making peace would mean slow down and don't take part in spreading conspiracies or excuses or all the other stuff that is so tempting to point to and go, yeah, 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 that's why. Just relax, be a peacemaker, don't get sucked into the hate. On either side, friends, on either side. And then the last one I want to suggest is how we might think about making peace in our neighborhoods and in our communities. Is there an opportunity that you will be open to, you will have your eyes open to, where God might be calling or inviting you to do an act of service for someone else, especially somebody that doesn't see things the way you see them? Is God calling you or giving you an opportunity? You be on the lookout for how God might prompt or call you to do an act of service, especially for somebody who sees things very differently from you. And I don't mean serving them by tearing down all the campaign signs in their yard, okay? That's supposed to be funny. Some of you are funny. But what can you do to love and serve a neighbor, a coworker, no strings attached? Or if there's somebody that doesn't nearby, live nearby, that, 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 but you know you've got some strain with them, can you write them a note? Would you call them and, and just tell them something you appreciate about them? Those are just some ideas, but I believe that we open our hearts. I'm confident that God is going to give each one of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus, he's going to give each of us creative ways to make peace around us. And friends, when we do that, we will see renewal and restoration like we never thought possible in our little part of the world. And I believe God will use that to break out new life, that God will use that in his mission to make all things new and to breathe life into hearts of stone. Friends, peacemakers, hear me. You can do this. You can do this. Jesus is in you and with you, and he is for you. Will you stand now as our worship team comes and leads us in the same song that we opened with? Um, because I think this is a beautiful prayer from our heart, a willingness and an openness and invitation to Jesus. Let this song be our prayer.